You're listening to the Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 16-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law and leadership topics, company leaders like CEOs, managers, and HR professionals would often ask me where can they find a little more information on this and a little more information on that. Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people only have 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to company leaders. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Legal Skinny podcast. So when I see the words innovation and invention, do you think of them as the same? If you do, you're not alone because many people use these words interchangeably. But good old Merriam-Webster dictionary sets us straight on this in that they're quite distinct, actually. Invention can refer to a type of musical composition, a falsehood, a discovery, or any product of the imagination, with the sense of it being usually something which has not previously been in existence. Innovation, on the other hand, can refer to something new or to a change made to an existing product, idea, or field. So according to Merriam-Webster, for example, the telephone was an invention, but the first smartphone likely should be categorized as an innovation. And it's easy to think of great inventors or innovators and be inspired. Thomas Edison's automatic telegraph, his phonograph, an early movie camera, Nikola Tesla inventing the first alternating current AC motor and developed AC generation and transmission technology. George Washington Carver and his 300 uses for peanuts and hundreds of more uses for soybeans, pecans, and sweet potatoes literally changed the history of agriculture in the South um, as an agricultural chemist that he was. And Marie Van Britten Brown and Albert Brown's patent of the first home security system in 1969 I find this fascinating. With a sliding camera capturing images, can you imagine, through four different peepholes in her door, um, TV monitors to display the camera images, and then two-way microphones that allowed her to talk with anyone outside her door. And, you know, it also included a button alert, you know, the police are some type of security. And then Stephanie Kwolek who was a chemist that created synthetic fibers while working at DuPont's pioneering research laboratory in Delaware. The most famous being a strong, lightweight, and heat-resistant synthetic fiber called Kevlar. And Sukamoto, the team she worked with patenting the first method of isolating blood-forming stem cells in 1991, innovating stem cell research. And that's, all of this is just a tip of the iceberg, right? With all that inspiration over the centuries, the technology that we have created and that we are creating, well, it's dramatic. 
It's exciting, um, intoxicating, some people would say. It's so easy to get caught up in it all, being on the edge of tomorrow. So whether invention or innovation, the field of technology has been one where I find myself both fascinated and, in some cases, skeptical or concerned about the things we are creating, in particular when it comes to something like biometrics. Is there a moral compass that draws a line on the privacy laws protecting us? How far will we go? And how far should we go? Make no mistake that if you've not started to wrap your mind around how biometrics is entering the every world and the business world, the time is now. There are great things here and great things coming and great challenges along with them, both which should be given some weight and thought, in my opinion. But in the case in law that I want to talk about today, you can see that a new technological advance in creating a more efficient or effective process in a business with employees ran right up against one of the more new edge biometrics privacy laws in existence, the Illinois Biometric Privacy Act. So this is, a, this is the case uh, where what I call the $10 million biometric privacy handprint. I feel, I feel like I'm about to tell a great Sherlock Holmes mystery story, you know, except in this century, um, where it all started in Walmart. <laughs> okay, no, seriously, though, it did, it did all start in Walmart. <laughs> An Illinois Walmart, or Walmarts to be specific. Um, you know, uh, Walmart had its, its workers scan their handprints to access a cash recycler system. Walmart says the cash systems could have been accessed via a PIN code instead of the, the hand scanner. Um, but in the end of the day, the allegations were that this hand scanning that they did with the workers for access was done without obtaining informed consent from the employees. And this challenge came in the form of a case, a lawsuit in Illinois, with an estimated 21,677 current and former Walmart employees involved, and of course, involving the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act, arguably one of the more modern pieces of legislation out there on biometric data, arguably more comprehensive than most um, or anything that is currently out there. Now, let me tell you, it has been a headache for more than just Walmart, this piece of legislation. Facebook, Facebook and Google have also encountered their own allegations on this Illinois law. So you may be thinking right now, I'm not in Illinois. I mean, maybe at some point I might have a hot dog at Wrigley in Chicago to see the Cubbies someday, but I'm not actively doing business there, Tricia. So why do I care? Let me tell you why you care. Biometric data is here to stay, and it's a tricky business. Companies are increasing every day their use of biometric systems for authentication and security type purposes. And while there's a few federal statutes out there addressing privacy and data security breaches, such as HIPAA, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, and the Fair Credit Reporting Act, there is no current comprehensive federal law currently in place addressing an employer's obligation regarding the use or disclosure of employee biometric information. 
And that's where we're seeing some states entering the arena and passing laws on this biometric data. Hence, the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act and the related class action lawsuits that have come out of it. So you're like, maybe like, well, what, what the heck is biometrics? So you've already told me there's some hand scanning involved, but okay, look, let's, let's break that down. Usually when we're talking about biometrics and when you're seeing it in these laws, it's referencing some sort of automated methods of recognizing or analyzing an individual based on human biological and behavioral characteristics. Examples being palm prints, voice prints, DNA, scans of face geometry, retina scans. It, to say it's, it's really, it's different, okay, than personal information, like a social security number. Generally, you see, you know, one, uh, or they shouldn't be able to, a person should not be able to, uh, they can't really change their biometrics, okay? which of course is what makes it such a super tempting idea to use it for any type of security purpose. So the question is, why not use it then? You know, in fact, why wouldn't this be the best thing to use to protect everybody? Well, if you look a little at the language of that Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act that I keep mentioning, you start to see where their concerns are. You see, as unique as a person's biometrics is, so unique to their biology, that once compromised, the act states the individual has no recourse and is thus at heightened risk for identity theft. Therefore, while there may be penalties for the misuse of personal information, the act indicates that the misuse of biometric data should have greater penalties and thereby greater protections in place to prevent misuse. So let's talk a little bit about how businesses are using this with their workforces and their employees, right? Starting with um, entering the building or the offices in the building, um, facial recognition, retina scans and fingerprints allows employees uh, into some or all parts of the building, depending on their level of clearance. So forget that pesky security tag with that goofy lanyard or wire swipey thing or whatever. They've got those uh, biometrics on them all the time, you know, so the workforce could just use that. And um, in an effort to prevent, you know, fraud um, and timekeeping, you know, your buddy <laughs> clocks you in or something. Uh, it could be used to have hand scans or fingerprints for clocking in. And, you know, think about the workplace equipment features. So you're talking about anywhere from the copiers, the computers, laptops, tablets, smartphones. I mean, the use of facial recognition or fingerprints. It's already here, right? Other uses that have been seen um, are for security for maybe like remote login possibly, or even using it as a tool to determine immigration compliance, um, you know, to see who's legally authorized to work in the United States. This whole biometric data in general is just getting started with more states getting into the mix of defining what laws they wanna see around this. Uh, we have the Texas Capture or Use of Biometric Identifier Act, 
and Washington State's laws regarding biometric identifiers. You're seeing things in these pieces of legislation like notice requirements that biometric data is being used that the company is responsible for um, giving and how they're using it and getting clear consent uh, restrictions surrounding that. And of course, the standards for retention, if the company's in, you know, thinking of retaining this data somehow or the disposal of this biometric data. And in 2020, we saw Senators Jeff Markley and Senator Bernie Sanders put forth the National Biometric Information Privacy Act. Modeled after what you say? Ah, you guessed it, that pesky Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act. You see, I told you there was more to this story than a dog and a beer in the bleacher seats at the friendly confines. Honestly, though, talking about all this biometric stuff, it just gives me flashbacks of like Tom Cruise's eyeballs being scanned in the minority report. You know, those like super creepy, like spider robot scanners or whatever they were. <laughs> um, now, you know, is that really where the world is headed? I mean, who knows? I'm not a psychic. Um, I'm a lawyer. But if I had to guess, I mean, probably. Um, I'll tell you this much as a takeaway for today. With an approximate settlement to be owed by Walmart around $10 million, and other lawsuits on the horizon, business leaders are taking notice because the issues surrounding privacy in these cases are not to be taken lightly, at least not anymore. So before you jump at the next cool techie app or product you come across to improve security or efficiency with your workforce or anywhere in your business, I think it's important to be thoughtful in understanding the gravity of where all this is going. And I'll leave you with that. That's the legal skinny on the $10 million biometric privacy handprint. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. I would love for you to go to www.legalskinny.com forward slash review to learn the super simple way to leave me a review to tell me which topics and guests you like. I value your thoughts and your review helps me support more company leaders just like you to grow as a leader themselves and to grow successful teams. I also drop the link in the show notes if that's easier for you. And while you're there, check out all the other resources I have for you as a company leader. And don't forget our disclaimer to remember legal skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.